0: Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. (coughs) Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who feels all in all.
1: Ephesians 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now a work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by which is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near to the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit.
2: Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.
3: So that took, I don't know, what, eight minutes maybe? Um, Something like that. That's... That's eight minutes, three chapters, that if you believe that, it will change your life and your eternity. It will change it. In the elders, we uh, had a discussion at our meeting this past Monday night, and we were considering a couple of things. And Jason helped us to consider the question that was before us on the table. Um... In this way, listen very carefully because this is something that I think should should be the way we make every decision we make in life. And, all right, at least the, the, the significant ones. The question before us was: I will or I won't do this or that, whatever the decision may be. Uh, I'll just tell you what our decision was before us, and we're still praying through this. Is Are we going to continue to offer everything that we do during our worship service via streaming? We're going to continue to offer our service streamed as it is. So the question before us was, we will or won't do this based on what will happen? Meaning, how will some people respond to that? What would happen if we did or didn't do this? So we make that decision based on what will happen if we do it. Or we make that decision based on what we believe the scriptures tell us about that particular issue. So do we do what we do because of what we believe? Or do we do or not do what we do or don't do because of what might happen? Well, Ephesians 1 through 3 lays the groundwork, and I think Paul wrote this letter, sent it to Ephesus, was read in that region, because it is in understanding what it is God has done for us, that when we see that and understand it and believe it, it changes everything. Absolutely everything. And that's what is summarized for us in these three chapters that you just heard read. The work of redemption, the raising of, of dead rebel sinners, That Paul lays out for us there in chapter 2 the uniting of absolute strangers and aliens and indeed enemies of each other uniting us in Christ the fact that he lays out for us this mystery there at the beginning of chapter 3 this mystery that God has had hidden for all ages and now through the Apostle Paul is being revealed and what is that mystery here it is and I believe this is absolutely essential This is the clearest picture in the Bible of God's plans and intentions. God's plans and intentions are to unite all things together in Christ. All things. Things in heaven and things on earth are going to be united under the dominion and the lordship of Jesus. And that mystery that's that's being revealed here in the gospel centers around God's new redeemed people. These people that he's redeeming and bringing to himself. And uniting them in this organism called the church. And it is through this church, this new humanity, this redeemed body of Christ, that God is going to manifest and show off his wisdom. And Paul recognizes that truths like that are not something that are discerned and understood up here by the brain. We have to pray. He prays. That the eyes of our hearts would be opened and enlightened. So that we would understand what it is that we have in Christ. This hope that we have. What is the immeasurable riches of His grace toward us in Christ. And the power that is ours. The very power that raised Christ from the dead. He wants us to know that. And He wants us to know just how amazing it is that God has poured this out on us. So He prays for that. So what is our response to truth like this what is our response how how do we well that's what the second half of the book is but i think even in this first there's not a single command not one command in these first 3 chapters we're not told to do
0: a thing
3: we're simply told to believe we're not told to believe but we're it's just this truth that's given before us there what is our response Well, the last song we sang, we sang so we would be reminded. To the praise of His glory. Our first response is simply to praise Him. Right? And look at how He lays it out there in that first section in in chapter 1. To the praise of His glorious grace. To the praise of His glory, He says there in verse 12. To the praise of His glory, He says there in verse 14. Our response is to praise God. Just praise Him. Our second response there would be one of prayer. And these two prayers that Paul has before us here, the one that he prays there at the beginning of chapter 1 and the one that he prays there at the end of chapter 3, are patterns for us. And, and we've talked about this a lot. I don't really know sometimes even how to pray. Open up Ephesians and pray chapter 1. Open up Ephesians and pray chapter 3. We pray that. Lift that up before God. We, we pray because, number one, we have access Jesus himself is our peace, and he has acquired that access for us, right? And so we have that opportunity to come before God. So we pray. We pray, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray for myself that your Holy Spirit of wisdom would open up the eyes of my heart so that I would understand this amazing grace that you've given me, the hope that I have in Christ, the riches that I have in this glorious inheritance, and this power that I have. And then God, I would pray that you would just remind me and show me again through your word how much I am loved. Church, you are loved. Brother and sister in Christ, you are loved. You are loved with a love that is broader and longer and higher and deeper than you can imagine. And in case you can't imagine it, which we can't, then Paul prays that the Holy Spirit would help us to be grounded in that reality. And even when we can't comprehend it and don't feel it, the Word of God speaks into the heart of the believer and says, You are loved. The enemy will lie. Your own heart will lie. And the world will lie to you. But you are loved, saint. You are loved, brother and sister in Christ. And so we pray that. And that's that reminder for us. So the question then is so what are we to do besides praise and prayer and, and to have this perspective? Do you see this perspective, church? Oh, we need to open up Ephesians consistently and constantly. And just just let the word remind us, as Rebecca was reading, that we were dead. And now we're alive together with Christ, right? We were separated. Oh, you can be in a crowd and be lonely and isolated. And we were separated from God and separated from one another. And and Christ has brought us together, not through some means of mechanism or some through himself. He himself is our peace. The text tells us that's who we are. We are in Christ. We are united together and we are brought together within the church. These are truths that will change our lives. they've, They've changed mine even as we preach through it since January. Just been astounding to see. And we will see further how we can live this out in the second half of the book. Let's praise the Lord some more for all that he's done for us in Christ. Let's stand
4: together and sing. His mercy is born. One love could remember no wrongs we have done. Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not there. God.
3: three chapters. Let me just invite you, if you have not, to put your faith in Jesus and receive the promises that God offers you here in Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3. See, God has been at work from before the foundation of the world, calling, predestined you to come to Christ. Before the foundation of the world, He chose you in Christ this morning. You'd be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters into His forever family by grace. And the Son, the Lord Jesus, it is His blood that has redeemed us. It is His blood that has accomplished the basis of our forgiveness. It is Christ Himself who has given us access to the Father, and He Himself is the means by which you can be at peace this morning with the God who created you. And the Holy Spirit of God is the one who is taking the words that I'm speaking and the Word of God that we've read this morning and sung and prayed, and He's the one who is putting that into your heart right now and causing you, as, as Paul said, those eyes of your heart, that part of you is all of a sudden recognizing, wait a minute, And maybe the Spirit of God is at work in your heart this morning, seeing how much He loves you, seeing how Christ has loved you and given Himself for you. And as the Word has said that apart from Christ, you are breathing right now. You may be sitting in this room or watching or you'll see it later on, but you are dead in your trespasses and sins apart from the forgiveness and the life that comes in Christ. And God is offering you life. He's offering you forgiveness. He's offering for you to be brought together with Him in that relationship. And so you're invited this morning. And Paul said here that these believers he was reading, he was writing to, said, when you heard the gospel, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit, he tells us there in chapter 1 verse 13. So you have heard the gospel this morning. Of God's love for you, of Christ's redemptive work on your behalf, and of the Spirit who wants to seal your heart and bring you to faith. And that's, I want to just, I just can't go further until you're in, until you have that opportunity to respond. And you can do that at the end of this service. You can come and talk to me, one of our elders, any of us, about what it means to put your faith in Jesus and trust in Him. Because it is through individuals like you and me who come to faith in Christ, that God is at work doing this amazing work, he says here, of building something. He's the Spirit of God is at work building us up into a spiritual habitation, the dwelling place of God. In the Old Testament, it was the tabernacle, it's the church, it's us now. So, what does it mean to be built up into this eternal dwelling place for God? What does it mean to, to be in Christ? How, how do we live? In light of that, that's what these next chapters tell us. So come this morning, Stacy, Hunter, and Susan. Take us through the rest of this.
5: Ephesians 4. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the ways and carried about by every kind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to the hardness of heart, they have all become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you have learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you.
6: Ephesians 5. Therefore be imitators of God, as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with him, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of those things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the best use of Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and in himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her because we are members of his body. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife, that she, let the wife see that she respects her husband.
7: Ephesians 6 Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling and with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to, not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or free. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening. Knowing that he is he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord, and in the strength of his might. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, and I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you may also know how I am and what I am doing, Tychus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage you in your hearts. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible.
3: So how are we to live in light of this great gospel? Paul describes it for us in terms of a walk. And not a walk like walking around Huck Sansbury, We understand that. It's the life. The word walk there is the idea of living, living out our lives. And our calling, the calling that God has given us in Christ, is one to walk worthy of what chapters 1, 2, and 3 say about what God has done for us and who we are. We are to walk in light of who we are in Christ. And so Paul in these last three chapters here describes us Walking as children of light and not as darkness. There's a contrast constantly in these three chapters. There's a constant spirit led, spirit empowered reflection, repentance and the work, the sanctifying work of God, whereby we put off, lay aside, stop those things and those actions and those attitudes of who we were in the darkness, who we were when we were dead. And instead, put on Christ. Instead, put on these characteristics that are given for us of what it means to walk in the light. I think all of that is summarized well when it simply says that we're to be an imitator of God at the beginning of chapter 4. We're to imitate God in holiness, in purity. We're to imitate God in love. It says, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. We are called as brothers and sisters in Christ to imitate our Father And to do like our big spiritual brother in Christ, if you will. And we are to love and serve one another, laying down our lives, being filled with the very life of Christ. That's what it means to walk in the light. That's what it means to walk worthy of the calling with which we've been led. To constantly put off the old person and put on Christ. And two key metaphors, two key pictures here of how that's done is one... In that first section about the building being built up by the Spirit of God, and here the body of Christ is growing up into head, into the head who is Christ. And God has given gifts to His church. He's given gifted individuals, and He's given individuals gifts so that we together work toward unity and maturity in Christ. And we're to build one another up in that way. We're to love and to be, walk in humility and maturity. And we're to walk wisely. We're not to let the world intoxicate us. We're not to let the world distract us. We're to walk carefully, he says in chapter 4, verse 15. Not unwise, but wise, making the best use of time. And this picture of us being discerning, alert, aware, is just this picture of being filled with the Spirit. And that filling of the spirit is seen as we walk humbly with one another, submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ and also submitting to one another in regard to the leadership structure that God has given us, whether that leadership structure is that structure within marriage or within the family as fathers and mothers leave and lead and love their children. Or even within the workplace, there's these pictures of what it means to walk as children of light, to walk imitating God within the context of our daily lives. And we're to do that recognizing that we have an enemy who wants to kill us, steal our joy, divide us. He's strong. He's determined. And he is defeated. Amen. He's defeated and we have that promise before us we have this weaponry these this armor that Jason led us through and talked to us about there in chapter 6 we have these promises and the way the way i've been kind of meditating on this and thinking about it over the last couple of weeks is is this picture that paul gives us of the church yes it is the church universal that he is bringing gentiles and jews People from every tribe and tongue and nation that we talk about. But this is an individual body of believers in a town called Ephesus. It's an individual local church. That God has placed us in and called us to live out this walk. Live out this gospel. And here at Westwood, the way we do that is through our church covenant. How do we apply these things that God has done for us and how he calls us to live out that faith? Well, our church covenant lays that out for us. And, and we put copies on the on the pew for you to pick it up and look at it with me for just a second. Reach around, find one if there's there should be one someplace that you can pick up and look at. What does it mean to walk worthy of the calling with which we've been called? What does it mean to walk as children of light? What does it mean by the fact that God has loved us and predestined us from before the foundation of the world to be brought together in relationship with Him and together in relationship with one another? What does it mean, Westwood, that one day God is going to display His manifold wisdom through the church? Through the church. It means this isn't insignificant. This isn't just a one day a week add on. This is who we are in Christ. This is what will last. Our families will not. Our marriages will not. This sacred relationship of who we are in Christ. And this picture of how we're to live out that faith is pictured here at Westwood in regard, in, in, through our church covenant. And it's just a good time. I, f- I felt like it's a good opportunity for us to be reminded of what it is that we as members of this church have covenanted together to do. How is it that we seek to live out this great gospel that God has, has worked in us? It begins first with simply being rooted and grounded in Christ in our worship and in our Bible study. It means we'll not neglect meeting together. We're not legalistic about that. We don't say that as a member you have to be here 80% of the time or 70% of the time or whatever. That's not what it means. It means that you as individuals within your family will not neglect meeting together. We won't let other things become a precedent over that. And we'll seek to and be a part of growing together in the word through our Sunday school and our life groups and our small groups. And we will do that there in that most sacred of of mission fields that God has given you, which is there in your regular family. And to just go before the Lord together as God enables you to do that. There's, again, there's not a legalism here. There's not a particular structure here. It's just simply our hearts, as much as we can, are going to seek the Lord together as a family. And we're going to do that to maintain the holiness and the purity that God has called us to through the process of church discipline. We're going to seek to be faithful in worship and Bible study. We're going to seek to be faithful in the area of stewardship. In recognizing that God is the creator and the giver of everything that we have. And we are called to steward that. We are called to take care of that as we walk through this world. Recognize that one day we will answer for that. And the way we do that here is with our gifts and with our service. But it's also with our possessions. It's also with our money. And we don't preach a lot about money here. We probably should do it more often than we do. At least some of the brothers will come and say, you know, you need to do that more often. But here, that's a picture. Jesus talks about money more than anything else individually as a specific topic. Because it, it, it reveals our heart. And we haven't said much about it here over the last couple of years because it's been interesting that through the whole season of, of COVID or whatever it was, that, you know, it's just been God has been faithful and he's blessed us. Our expenses have been down and our spending has been down and the giving has been great. Well, and as we start to, whatever it is, get healthier, get freer, you know, do the things that we, we've been needing to do, mission trips and that kind of thing, then as those expenses have started to go up, I got a, I got an email from from Jennifer this week. You know, for the first time in a couple of years, we are behind in our missions giving. We're about $15,000 short in our in our monthly missions obligations. And I don't say that to guilt-right us. I just simply to say that God has called us to be faithful stewards. And it goes way beyond the tithe. It's just simply being gracious with our stewardship as God has been gracious to us. It's just a reminder that in everything, it all belongs to God. And he's entrusted to me to be a faithful steward with that. Another way we live it out is within just serving here within the body of Christ. Look at your covenant. He's called me to be an active part of his body. Remember what Paul says in Ephesians? That it's through the exercise of our spiritual gifts that this body is built up. And so we discover those gifts and those abilities, those talents that he's given us. And we put them to work within the body of Christ. And he's called us to take this message of the gospel and proclaim it and live it out. He's called us to take that message and to be a part of missions and evangelism and praying. How thankful we are for that, that God has allowed us. And that now we're starting to be able to get back into that groove of sending out teams and individuals on missions. Yesterday, our church was serving alongside La Familia and trying to reach the community. My Life Matters is about to get fired back up. There's avenues throughout the church in ways that we share our faith and live it out. The football ministry, all of those things are to the end of sharing the gospel. It's not just things to do. It's an avenue to share the gospel. And he's called every single one of us to be a faithful servant in that regard. And then finally, God calls us to protect the unity. Jesus died. He Himself is our peace. He has died to make us one. And we have to maintain that and we have to work at it. Okay? It's not just something that happens naturally. And so as a part of this body of Christ, we covenant together to be a protector of the unity. We're going to walk in wisdom. We're going to walk in love and humility and patience. We're going to be thoughtful and courteous. We're going to endeavor to speak the truth and listen to that which is true. We're not going to be a part of gossip. We're gonna, as, 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 as much as we can through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're gonna live a life of holiness. We're gonna abstain from anything that would bring harm or cause others to stumble. We're gonna pray for one another. We're gonna to submit to one another. We're gonna to work to preserve the spiritual and scriptural purity of our church. And if God should choose to move you or me or someone else away from this place, then we're going to covenant together, that we're not going to drift along separated from God's people within the body. We'll unite together with the body of Christ. And all of this, all of it, is by God's grace. It is by God's provision for us. It is God's gift to us that He enables us and allows us to be a part. And we are so thankful for that. As we close this morning, we're going to sing again. We're going to just testify to this amazing grace that God has given us. Have you put your faith and trust in Christ? And church, if you have, and we have, if we are brothers and sisters in Christ, it's just an opportunity for us to commit ourselves again to what it means to walk as children of light, to walk worthy of the calling with which we've been called. And we can be thankful for that. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you today for the book of Ephesians. We thank you for Paul's heart for the church. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your inspiration and your work in and through men and women like Paul in giving us your word. Father, we pray that we would just just this afternoon, Lord, meditate on, rest in, just think through this work that you have done for us in Christ. And the calling that you've given us to walk a life worthy of that. As individuals, as husbands and wives, as children, and as a family of faith here at Westwood, God. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Fill us with your spirit, Lord, that we can walk faithfully in response to that. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.